Well, good morning, New Life Church. How is everybody? Good, good. You guys um, overstuffed with turkey and dressing and whatever else you might eat and indulge yourself with. Uh, how many of you ate more? How much? How many of you ate more than you thought you you should have? Yeah, I did too. Yeah, I think that's kind of a given for a lot of us, but it kind of only happens. If it only happens that one time, right? Just that one time, then I think we're okay. I think we'll be all right. Uh, just don't make a habit of it, okay? Just don't make a habit of it. Then you won't appreciate it, right? Then we wouldn't appreciate what we get, yeah. Um, well, good. I'm so glad you guys had a good Thanksgiving. You're back. Obviously, we still have a, quite a few people out uh, tr- that, are, that traveled and went out of town and uh, those that had family uh, in town that are still with them. And um, But as Lindsay pointed out, we're, we're preparing to enter into the Christmas season. I don't like to just jump right into it right after um, Thanksgiving, but we kind of have to at least take some small steps into that uh, and, and, and get ourselves mentally uh, ready and to enter into this new season. And so I do want to tell you that starting next Sunday, we will officially kick off the Christmas season here at New Life Church with, uh, with our theme, The Light of Christmas. Uh, you've seen that on a lot of things that we've got published and on the screens and uh, for you to hand out, uh, for we to, for us to give you, as well as on our website. And please take note, uh, make note on our website. There's a we have a whole blog dedicated right now to our Christmas uh, giving, our offering. It goes in detail. So if you weren't here last week to hear in detail about that, just go to newlifechurchofjackson.org, pull up blog, and you'll see it right there. And uh, it goes in detail about what we're doing and how you can be involved. Okay, it's not just about one or two of us doing something with the offering, it's about collecting it as well as multiple people doing things with that to go out and um, actually be hands and feet to people. All right, so please remember that. But next next week officially kicks off Christmas season here at New Life Church with the light of Christmas. And today, uh, plan is to wrap up this series that we've been in for, uh, for about um, eight weeks uh, that we've been covering. It's called A New Season, A New Soul. And I encourage you, if you have not made it to all of our services uh, with this series going on, you can always go back on the website and listen to those. Uh, it only costs you a, a dollar and a half uh, per minute uh, to listen. And um, <laughs> I just want to make sure, see who all was awake still. So, uh, no, it's free, okay? But I, I encourage you, uh, this series has been one that um, uh, obviously it's helpful for me. Uh, as I as I prepare to speak about it, but um, I'm hoping it's been helpful for you. And I tell you, the Lord has really been doing some uh, great things these last couple of weeks. He's really, really ministered to a lot of hearts and a lot of lives, to a lot of souls, uh, personally. Uh, the Lord's really been moving prophetically these last two weeks, and that's why everybody's not here. That's why you see all these empty seats. They don't want to get a prophetic word today, okay? They're afraid. They're scared. No, I'm teasing. I'm just teasing. Um, but... Uh, uh, I kid about that because anytime you, you uh, prophetic, anytime uh, someone prophesies or moves in the in the gift of prophecy, it's to do three things: it's to encourage, it's to exhort, and it's to bring comfort. So just remember that, all right? Anytime you're in a service or watching something on TV or what have you, it's if it's not encouraging, if it's not exhorting, and it's not comforting you, then it's not really from the Lord. Okay? So you need to make note of that. All right? That's how we can help discern stuff. But anyway, just I want to tell you that because. I've get, been getting feedback from different people uh, over the last couple of weeks, uh, especially um, from the 
from God encouraging us uh, prophetically the last couple of weeks, the, the feedback has been positive in a sense that, that, that uh, what was said was actually right and was accurate. So that's always a good thing for the person, my, in my case, me, saying what I felt the Lord was saying. And it's good to hear those good feedbacks. Uh, it builds my faith. It builds my confidence in the Lord as well as it does yours as well. Um, so praise God. Well, listen, let me invite you to open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. As we are going to put an, uh, a final stamp on this series, a new season, a new soul. And as you're getting ready to, uh, as you're preparing that, getting over to Hebrews chapter 6, um, we apologize for the poor visual on our screens. Our, our, our projector just, it just decided it did not want to do what it was supposed to do this morning. So we had to go to plan B and, um, and so had to shoot it from the ground. And, and it's a, obviously a different type. And, but uh, just so you know, we're, it, things like this happen sometimes out of our control. And um, uh, but anyway, uh, we're not going to I'm not going to have a whole lot of uh, notes for you today because you can't see it very well. Um, but um, we'll do our best. So that means you got to listen a little bit, too. OK. All right. Everybody with me? You guys ready for the word? All right. Cool. This series that we've been on, uh, like I said, it's been it's it's been we've been looking at what the soul is what the needs of our soul, needs of our soul is, and how our souls have the potential to be strong and healthy in the Lord. The, the uh, Apostle John said it this way in 3 John uh, 2, he said, or 3 John, he said this, he said, Beloved, above all else, he said, I pray for you to ha that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your souls prosper and is in good health. Okay? And, and so we have to take note of that. He said, above everything, you prosper and be in good health, I pray, but also as your soul prosper, as our souls prosper. Everybody say, my soul. So as our souls prosper and are healthy, then that means our life can be prosperous and healthy. And, and, and that means that we can, our life, it, when I use the word prosperous, I'm not talking about get rich or all that all the time. It could incorporate that, but what I'm mainly getting at is that our life is stable, it's strong, and it's secure, and that we're, our life is built on the rock, the song we were singing, on Christ the solid rock I stand, okay? Because Jesus finished up the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew records it, and he said, Jesus said, listen, he said, <coughs> he said, you... Uh, if you're he said, if you're foolish, you hear what I have to say. In other words, you, you read my word and you hear it. But he said, you then go and you build your life on the sand because you don't actually do what I tell you to do. Right? We want to know the right things in life. We want to go the right direction. We want want our life to be in, it's solid and strong. But how how many times have we found ourselves actually not doing what Jesus said to do? Right? It, it happens. And he said that you're like the person who built his life on sand. The storms came, the winds blew, and all these things happened, and your life, your house, fell apart. It didn't sustain, it wasn't strong, it didn't endure life's battles and life's problems. Okay? But he said, if you listen to my word and you actually do what I tell you to do, then you're like the one who's wise, you build your life on the rock. That when those storms come and the winds blow and all that happens, he said it won't give way. 
it won't, it won't falter, it won't collapse, it'll, it'll go through, it'll endure. How many of you want a life that's going to endure life? How many of you want your life, your soul to endure what life has? And any, any amount of life that we've been fortunate enough to live so far, if we could all talk about it, we've all had blows from different angles, right? We've all had things happen to us. Stuff didn't pan out. Things took, took a different turn and different things happened by our, by our own decisions as well as things beyond our control. But one thing can happen, and that is our souls, in Christ, our souls can be healthy. We can be strong and not tainted and polluted by what this world tries to bring. Amen? And so this series has been built on, on this thought right here, and that is this, our outer life and our inner life. Our outer life is, we all have these two things about us, the outer and the inner. And our outer life is the public, visible part. This is what everybody sees. This is what they see our accomplishments. They see who we are on the outside and all these things. But how many of you know, most of the time, who we are on the outside is not always line up for who we are on the inside? Okay? It doesn't always happen that way. And then we have the inner life, the part nobody sees. This is the, pub, this is the private part of life that nobody sees about us. This is where our thoughts and our hopes and our dreams and our wishes lie deep within us that nobody sees. So we have this outer life and we have this inner life. And listen to this, this statement right here. It says this, it says this question rather, how can we have an inner life that is flourishing no matter what our outer life is experiencing? That's the common question amongst life, amongst people, amongst us humans, is how then can, can I have the inner part of me be good and well and flourish, regardless of what the outer part of me is going through, right? Because how many times have we found ourselves on the outside going through something, and on the inside, man, we're hurting, we're wounded, we're broken, we're not healthy, we're not strong, we're weak, we're, or we're, we're, we're different than what we portray on the outside right right it happens but the question still remains how can we have an inner life that flourishes regardless of our what our outer life experiences and i think the answer is this is that our souls must be healthy and you know what really our souls want to be healthy our souls want to be healthy deep within us we want a life that is strong and stable, secure, that is full of faith. And I'm not talking about the external things, okay? I'm not referring, our soul is not, should not be dependent upon what happens externally because that is what this whole world is made up of. It's made up of what happens on the outer part, the outer shell, the external things. If all the external things are right and good in the universe and the stars all line up in place and everything is hunky-dory and peachy king and all that good stuff, then, man, I'm happy inside. I'm full of joy. I'm full of peace. But how many times have we found ourselves in that kind of mindset, in that kind of mentality where we're basing our life's contentment on what happens externally to us? Yeah? And the thing that separates Christians from the world is that even through what happens externally to us and around us, the inner, inner inside, on the inside, we can still be content. We can still have joy. We can still have peace. We can still know that regardless of what people say about us, regardless of the different types of circumstances that happen to us and situations that we find ourselves in, fair or unfair, just or unjust, that inside we can still have solid peace. 
and our souls won't be contaminated and tainted with based on what happens on the outside all around us. Anybody following me this morning? You guys awake? Give me a little nod or something. Let me know you're with me. All right. So we've been traveling through this idea and these thoughts about our soul. And we, we, come, we came to this parable in Mark 4 about the parable of the sower. And it proposed a question to us. And that question is this. What is the condition of our soul? What is the condition of our soul? If, if our soul has the potential to be healthy, then the needs of our soul must be met in God. But in order for our needs of our soul to be met in God, we have to assess and evaluate the condition of our soul. And that shouldn't just happen on January 1st at the beginning of every year. Right? That shouldn't be the only time we assess and evaluate the condition of our soul. Is at the beginning of every year. And and at that day, for the next 364 and a half days, man, I'm going to do it, God. I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be so committed. I'm going to be over the top, and I'm going I'm to do everything. I'm going to pray harder and all this stuff. And we, we have these assessments and these evaluations, and we make these resolutions. And then by February, when Super Bowl comes around, we're like, shoot, forget that. I'm eating all I want to eat today. I'm going to go off my diet. I'm not going to work out. I'm not going to pray as hard because I'm consumed with other stuff, right? It happens to us, right? And so the only time we assess our life generally is at the beginning of the year, and it shouldn't be that. The, we should be always looking at the condition of our souls. If you're a gardener, if, you're a, if you pay attention and you're involved in, in the outdoor part of life, the creative part of life that we're blessed with, and you're involved in that, you know you pay attention to certain things. And if you have a garden and you're looking at your garden and you're trying to grow whatever crop or grow whatever, you pay attention to it and you cultivate it and you water it and you weed it, right? You don't, ever, you don't allow the weeds to grow and suffocate whatever it is you're trying to grow, and so you pay attention to it. That's, that's called assessing and evaluating the condition of your garden. That gar- gardens are a lot like our souls, and we have to pay attention to them. We, if we go left them, leave them unkept, then eventually things happen. And so the, the, the parable highlights three things. It li- highlights three conditions, a hardened soul, it, it, it highlights a cluttered soul, and it highlights a shallow soul. A hardened soul, hard, can't grow, can't get, allow the seed of God to uh, grow in us. Uh, it's shallow. It's not deep enough for the seed to get take root, and it's cluttered. It has so many things in it that the good can't is overridden and overtaken by the bad. And our souls can be in any one of those types of conditions at any given time. But it says it's possible. He said there's a fourth kind of soul, and that is the fertile soil, the fertile ground. And it produces 30, 60, and even 100 times more than what was even planted in it. So that tells us this, that God wants to do more with our life than we are even allowing him to. That no matter what is planted, if 30, 60, or 100-fold more than what was even planted in that soil. So God is able to grow more in us and do more in us than we think he can. We sell him short many times. We sell ourselves short to God many times because we often underestimate what God can do with this poor, pitiful soul of mine. 
if God really only knew all the stuff that I've gone through and all the stuff I've been a part of, all the things I've said, all the things I've done, all the broken relationships, all the, all the disenfranchised moments of my life that have broke me down and sold me short and disappointed me, if God really knew all that, then he, he would not want anything to do with me. But that is a big, fat... <coughs> I like that school board, didn't it? <coughs> That's a big fat. Because God created you. God made you. If you weren't awake, you are awake now. God made you. And he says, I can do more with you if you will just open up your soul to me. I'm able to grow more in you than you ever thought was possible. But it's sad, many times people wait till right before they kick the bucket to say yes to God. And I'm not talking about just in a relationship. But I'm talking about at the end of the road, at the end of the journey, more times when we're faced with that. Most times, most people try to make it all right at that last moment. What about the rest of the life that, that we've had? God's best is not to wait until the end to get it all right and to open up our soul and let him have his way. It's about living it from the get-go. And here's the thing, regardless of where any one of us are at today, at this moment in time, God is a redeemer of time. However old you are, however far along in life you are, God is a redeemer of time. And so here's the thing, he'll take you and put you where you need to be if you'll just allow him to work in your life, that's how he can work. But we got to pay attention. We got we to gotta be able to answer the question, what is the condition of our soul? Because if we can't get honest with our soul's condition, then we'll never be in position to live in reality the purpose that God has for our life. You'll be surprised how many things keep us back. So basically all the stuff I just said is this right here. Is that the needs of our soul must be met in God, and that is this. We, the soul needs a keeper. We are the tender. We are the keeper of our soul. The soul needs a center. God is the center of our soul. God is the one that balances our life out. We think because if he occupies all of us, then that must be some of us that's going to get the fun sucked right out of it, right? But that's the opposite. God supplies all the, all the joy and the peace and the contentment that we could ever possibly need in our lifetime he's the center he balances us out the soul needs to know it has a future that beyond what mo beyond the hard moments the painful moments the evil moments the sinful moments the wrong decision moments all the moments of life our soul needs to know that beyond all that that god still has a future for my soul to be at peace souls need to know that beyond our issues of today that somehow God has a way to get me through it and that my soul will know it is well. That it is well. The soul needs to know, it needs to know that it can have rest in God's grace. Rest in God's grace. Not resting in our own efforts, not resting in our own achievements or our own abilities. Because we're guilty of that. We're workers, we're worker bees, we're like Martha who worked hard cleaning the house and preparing a meal for Jesus, then Jesus says we need to be more like Mary and just sit at his feet. And we need to receive. Martha was trying to impress Jesus. Mary was just trying to be with Jesus. 
And many of us work hard at trying to please God. And guess what? We never do. Because it's not based on our own merit. It's based on God's unmerited favor, which is called grace. Grace. We need to learn to rest in God's grace. I like what Jesus said in Matthew 11. He said this. He said, if you come to me, you're weary and you're heavy burdened. He said, I'll give you rest. How about that? If we'll just come to him, he'll give us rest. But how many times do we go to something else? How many times do we go to something else, someone else, another angle, another option, another thing, another choice besides Jesus? And he says, if you'll come to me, you're heavy and you're, you're, you're burdened down. He said, I'll give you rest. And he goes on to say, take my yoke on you. Let me teach you. In other words, listen and learn from me. I'm humble and I'm gentle. And he says, and you will find rest for your souls. Can you say rest for your souls? You will find rest for your souls. Our, our souls need to know and need to find that in Jesus is grace. We need to rest in that. And then we talked about this. We talked about how our soul needs freedom. Our souls cry out to be free. Our souls cry out to be liberated. And there's basically two types of freedom. Freedom from something and freedom for something. Freedom from the things that prohibit us from living our purpose in God. And then freedom for what we can actually live the way God intended us to live. And so our souls long to be free. Why do you think we try to attach ourselves to so many different things? And we put our faith and our hope and our trust in the wrong things, in natural stuff, in people. As good and as well-intended as people are, people are not our Savior. Your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whomever, they're not your Savior. Doesn't mean you don't love them and care for them and do what the Bible says to do for them. Yeah, you do all that if you say, I do. But here's the thing, they don't complete you. They never will. So your hope and your trust and your faith needs to rest in Jesus, he's the one who will liberate and free your soul from whatever chains of oppression, depression, bondages, generational curses, addictions, and setbacks, and whatever else might find its way that creeps into our life and sabotages our soul and holds us back from God's purpose for our life. Jesus is the one who will liberate our soul because he wants us to be free in him. And when we're free in him, then we're free to live out the purpose that God intended for our life. That means then our marriage will honor Jesus. That means then our marriage will be a, a source of light and hope to this world. Where so many get divorced, if our, if our souls are right in God, our marriages can be healthy so as well. So when our marriages are healthy and our relationships with our families and everyone else is good and outstanding in God, then here's what happens. It shows the light in the life of Jesus in a person, in a community. That's why the church has to be in unity and love each other and serve each other and be there for each other because it demonstrates to the world by your love for one another, you are my disciples. You, they will know you have love when you see it in one another and for one another. Amen? So our souls want to be liberated. Our souls want to be free. But then last week, a great time to talk about this. Our souls need gratitude. 
Our souls thrive on being grateful. In fact, we actually feel better when we're grateful. If you're in the mully grubs in a bad mood, chances are you've stopped being grateful for whatever. We've taken things for granted, living with entitlement mentality or whatever it might be. But we need to understand we feel a whole lot better in our soul when we actually express our gratitude. Changes the whole dynamic. It changes everything. This past Thursday at Thanksgiving at our table, someone instigated the thought, said, hey, why don't we go around and just start talking about what we're thankful for? I was amazed at all the stuff I heard of what everybody was thankful for. But it's amazing when you express that gratitude and that gratefulness, it changes the dynamic of situations, of relationships. It changes our perspective even. It changes our heart's attitude even. And then we also talked about how the soul needs blessing. And we talked how this, what, what it means to bless, it means to project good into someone else, to project it, to, to will it, to speak it, to, to, to give it, to feel it into someone else's life when you bless somebody else. So this season when you're blessing people, you say, here's a little blessing. It's not just to be given as just some little token. But what you're doing when you give a gift and you're blessing somebody else, regardless of whether or not they give you something else back. Don't ever give somebody a gift with the obligation that they need to do something else for you because then that just completely destroys the whole thing. All right? Give, period, if you want to do that. But he says when you bless, here's what happens. You are projecting good into that person's life. You are... You are putting good into them. You are projecting good into them, and your heart should be a part of it. So our souls need that, right? Our souls need to be blessed. Our souls need to have some good projected out into it. Because Lord knows, those of you, you work in the secular world, majority here do, you work in this world, there's a whole lot of bad that happens on it, right? whole lot of bad happens on your job. A whole lot of bad happens with your employees, your friends, your co-workers. A lot of bad stuff is happening. And, man, a lot of people are getting down. A lot of people are getting depressed. A lot of people are getting just feeling rotten because of stuff going on in life. Who better then than to bring some good into the situation by just being a blessing? It might not even cost you a dollar to bless somebody, but all you have to say is, you know what, I just want to tell you, Bless you. Stuff's difficult on you right now. You've got the burdens of everybody on your shoulders. Things didn't turn out right in your project, on your job, or whatever it might be. And I, I hear you. I might not completely understand you and can completely empathize with you. But I just want you to know this Christmas season, I want you to know I speak blessing over your life. And I know you might not get the jargon I'm saying, but here's what I mean. I want good to happen for you. You know what that will turn around a frown upside down is good, somebody being nice, somebody being a blessing in somebody else's life, right? So our souls need that. God made us to want and to need to thrive off of being blessed. But here's how you get blessings. You give blessings. If you need good, you need the encouragement, and you need some good stuff to flow your way. So the world calls it, calls it karma, 
But Jesus calls it blessing and grace because it's really not based on our merit. It's based on his goodness. That if we will just be his light and be his life and be his hands and be his feet in any way we possibly can to be a blessing into somebody else's soul, projecting good into it, he always has a way to get it back to us when we need it most, right? And in closing today, I just want to want to say this is Hebrews 6 where you're turned to. We're going to look at it in in um I'm reading it from the New Living Translation and then I'm going to look at it from the message version as we conclude today. So our souls need all of these things. It's a lot. Our souls are needy. We just needy. Just say I'm needy. It's okay because that's how we are. We're needy and God want he made us needy, but he made us to be needing him. Because he when we need him, when we acknowledge we need him, he meets all our needs. Right? He meets all our needs. And so a lot of us think that's just the 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 food and the bread and the drink and the money. That's not all he meets. He meets what our souls really need. Because regardless of all that other stuff that we are thankful for, is your soul thankful that you have Jesus? And so today, our souls, I want to close by making this statement about today. Our soul, the soul needs an anchor. The soul needs an anchor. Hebrews 6, verse 18. So God has given both his promises and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Did you know that? It's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope. Everyone say hope. As we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope, say hope. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor. Say anchor for our souls. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It, hope, leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us and he has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. It's a whole other side of scripture to talk about that, but basically it's this. Jesus has already paved the way and entered in and paid the price for all of mankind to be united with God, to be in harmony, to be in relationship, to be in, in communion. That's why we, every month, come to this, this table as we did. and It reminds us that without Jesus, we could not be connected and in relationship and in right standing with God, who is not only our creator, but will also be our judge. Okay? He's the one who determines who gets in and who doesn't. But in Jesus, he paid the way, he made it possible. So he says this, God can't lie. God made a promise. 
God swore to himself. Therefore, no matter what, when God promises something, he is to be held to it. And it's not that he doesn't want to be held to it, but he wants to see who will actually read my word and hold me to my word. Who will actually believe what I have to say? Who will actually trust in what I'm telling them? That I want to do whatever I have planned for their life. Because the enemy does not want God's plan to succeed in any one of our lives, in any one of our families, in our household. He doesn't want his, the enemy doesn't want God's plan to prosper and come to pass. But God says, I promise, and it's going to happen, but do you hold me to it? And he says this, he said, it's a hope. Those of us who have come to the Lord have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Let's look at it in the message. If you can kind of squint a little bit and look at the message version, um, Hebrews 6, the message, if you, can, if you can read that. Did it not come over? Okay, I'm going to read it to you. Listen to this. This is how the message translates it. He said, when God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word. A rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. And we who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. Did you catch that? Grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable, what is an unbreakable spiritual lifeline? This promised hope is an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all the appearances right to the very presence of God where Jesus running on ahead of us has taken his permanent post for us. So what does that mean? Our soul needs an anchor. Hope, it says, a promised hope, is our anchor. That anchor is in Jesus. So, the writer of Hebrews tells us to grab hold of this promised hope with both hands and never let it go. What's an anchor for? To keep the ship steady and in place, right? Well, our soul is that ship that needs an anchor. Jesus is our anchor. And the hope that God gives us in Jesus is what holds us in place. Regardless, regardless of what goes on all around us. I love the song. We're going to close with this song on Christ the solid rock I stand. We're going to sing it as a final reminder today. We want our souls to hear it. We want to project this good into our souls today. That regardless of what goes on, regardless of the condition of situations in your life right now, to some of you it might seem like, man, it's so dark and dirty and gloomy in my life. I can't see straight. I don't know where there's an end to this. But in darkness, if you will just grab hold of the promised hope that is in Jesus... 
and you won't let go of it, He will be that anchor for your soul, that strong and trustworthy anchor. That when we are tempted, that when we are tested, that when the world dumps itself on us, that when stuff goes on in our life that we don't like, will we still hold to the anchor of our soul? Because that is what will hold us in place, and it does something for us. It gives us hope. That hope is that God will come through. That God will turn this thing around. That God will get me out of this predicament. That somehow in God's way, and if I trust Him and His plan for my life, and quit trying to figure it all out and just let Him guide me, and Him captain my ship, and He's going to get me where I need to be, and He's going to do what I need to be done for what is best for my life. Curtis, can you put the songs to that, uh, the words to that song up there? Check it out, my hope. Where's your hope built on today? Who is your hope built on today? Nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Keep on rolling. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean. Huh. Manuel, come here. Holy lean. Holy lean. Hold me up. Hold me lean. Right? I'm not helping him. Holy lean. Right? You got me? Holy lean. I don't want to cash out on some workman's comp. We're holy lean. Right? I dare not trust the sweetest frame. Who are you leaning on? Come on, what's the next? Keep on going. Keep on going. Yeah, go to the verse. I used to could quote this whole thing. Used to have it in my other Bible. I need to put it back in this Bible. When darkness seems to hide his face, dark in life, right, sometimes. Some of you, I know, I can see there's clouds in your life right now. When darkness hides his lovely face, what do you rest on? His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, that's a wind, that's a force, that's a storm that you don't have control of completely. And every high and stormy gale, where's your anchor? Within the veil. What's that veil? It's the thing that enters into the presence of God. It's with God, present with the Lord. When in every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the